Locked on NBA today. Monday edition is usually the local experts on the biggest stories, but I thought we would get a unique perspective from NBA player, Locked On Podcast Network analyst Trevor Booker instead today and break down all the moves and what he sees and how this all takes place and all of that. So, Trevor, thanks very much for taking the time with us here on Locked On NBA today. Yeah, thank you for having me. You, there are a bunch of guys in the league that have I've heard being referred to as the mayor. So, like, Jared Jack was one that everyone said to me. Like, he was the mayor. He knew everyone. If someone wanted to know something about a team or something, and, heck, he played for about 12 of them, they'd call Jared Jack. <laughs> Who are – I think you have a little bit of that reputation. Who are the mayors? Who are the guys that if you're thinking about signing with a team or you want to know about something that you pick up the – and does this really happen that there are a few guys you pick up the phone and call to find out about around the league? Yeah, I'm sure some guys they uh they call you know other guys <clears throat> around the league to get you know to do their due diligence, but I've never really called anybody, so I'm not sure who my go-to person would be. I'm not sure. That's a good question, though. You've played in some markets, Indiana, Utah, where maybe people don't really know what it's like. Do people call you? Um, I've had a couple people call me. Yeah, definitely so. Just just if I play for that team, uh, you know, they would ask me what's my opinion and how do I like it there. How does word spread around the league about a city, a coach, or an organization? Players talk. You know, if, if an organization is um, – if, if players don't like an organization, it definitely gets around. And if, you know, if the organization is great, and of course players are going to talk about it, especially the players that, that play for their organization, you know, about how much they miss it or how much, you know, they love that organization. So players talk a good bit. So you definitely hear about, you know, what organizations are bad and what organizations are good. And do you think, um, do you think that's part of the reason why nobody went to the Knicks? <laughs> well, um, that could be, yeah. That that could be one of the reasons. Um, I mean, it could be multi- multiple reasons. Certain players wanted to play with this player, or you know, the Knicks was never on their radar. Um, could be something with the owner. It could be something with the Charles Charles Oakley situation. You just never know, you know, what turns a player off. What, like I I'm sitting here. If Zach Lowe writes something on ESPN, I read it. Right, like that's my job. Uh-huh. If um, you know, I listen to all our podcasts, like various things. What do, where do players get their information about what's going on around the league and teams? Um, from other players, other players, uh, hoops, height. Uh, sometimes you have friends that's, you know, deep in the NBA and they love the NBA. So they always keep on with it. They, they tell you, you know, what they hear. Um, listen to podcasts. Pretty much the same way, you know, a lot of other people get their, their, their insight on what's going on. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let's get to the free agency that took place. Um, what was the biggest surprise to you of how the landscape changed in the NBA? Um, the biggest surprise was probably just how different the NBA, the whole different, I mean, the whole – NBA will look next year, like just how different it will look. You know, it's like, I feel like the NBA is wide open next year. I, I don't think any team is a clear-cut favorite to win it. 
Um, and, and I think that that would be great for the NBA. It's just so many teams that can win it next year. I have probably about five or six on my list, you know, that are contenders. So it, it's definitely going to be an interesting year. And if you're an NBA fan, man, you're going to have a, a lot of fun next year. Are you surprised at all the guys wanting to play together, or does it make a hundred percent sense to you? Um, I mean, guys, guys want to win. They want to. They want certain players. They want to play with. It's really not a surprise. Um, I'm surprised that it took this long to to start doing it. You know, I think you know it. It really started after LeBron went to Miami, and guys really opened their eyes. You know, and, and realize you know they they have more power than what they what they thought. So I think you're you're seeing now guys use their power, and uh, and try to dictate to where where they want to go. Who's the biggest winner in your mind of the off season, including uh, include the Anthony Davis trade in that conversation? Um, honestly, it's a lot of winner, a, a lot of big winners. Um, of course, you got to start with the Brooklyn Nets getting KD and Kyrie. You know, uh, Brooklyn was already a team on the rise, and, and that's a good team. But with those two pieces, you know, I think that puts them over the edge. And they have a, um, a couple of young guys, you know, that, that can really play and, and that, you know, it's going to get more experience and get better. Uh, and, I, you know, they got DeAndre Jordan, you know, which is a great player. And you got Jared Allen. Uh, it's, he's already an up-and-coming uh, star in the league. So, you know, their team is really looking scary for the future. Um, of course, the Lakers getting Anthony Davis and, uh, and, and, you know, the pieces around him are LeBron. The Clippers, very scary, especially on defense. Uh, when you add in uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and you have Pat Beverly at the one, and then you have Mo Harkless. Man, that's a scary team, especially on defense. Um, New Orleans Pelicans, you know, just the picks that they uh, accrued. Uh, they were a big winner, you know, this this summer. David Griffin came in right away and did a tremendous job. You know, they have a lot of young pieces and a lot of uh, draft picks. So I, I really think, you know, they have a bright future. And that, that could be a team, you know, that's very special. In, in three to four years, um, another piece um, that nobody, you know, nobody's talking about the Denver Nuggets. They didn't make any, you know, like huge moves, um, but they picked up Jeremy Grant, which was huge. Um, I, I think that's a, a huge pickup. I really like Jeremy's game. Now I really think, you know, he, he's going to complement, you know, Jokic a lot. Um, that team, it, it was already, they were already special next. Year. I mean, last year. Very young team. They 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 looked at the roster. They realized they didn't need to make any moves. You know, any any big moves. They just needed experience. So you know they they stayed the same. They just built on that chemistry and brought in Jeremy, which was which was pretty big in my eyes. Yeah, I, th- I mean he's a nice player. Co- complimented the Thunder very very well and gives them great depth behind Paul Millsap. If Paul Millsap ever right. gets if he ever gets old. Paul Millsap seems right, to be the right. ageless wonder, right? Right, right. And don't forget about the Utah Jazz, which I think, you know, they have a, a real chance of winning the next year, especially bringing in Mike Conley, which is I think uh, which I think he's an underrated um uh point guard in the league. 
Uh, but I think, you know, people are starting to recognize how valuable he is this year. And then just the pieces that they're cool, um, Bogey, uh, who has Jeff Green, Ed Davis, man, they, they, they really stacked up this summer. And I really think they have a legit shot at winning it next year. All right, we'll talk about those teams that Trevor thinks has a chance to win it. Dig a little deeper into the X's and O's in each of them as we continue. Trevor Booker, NBA player, Locked On Podcast Network analyst, is along with us. Your favorite NBA team has a daily podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you go and grab that each and every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Trevor, you said there were seven teams, I think, you that have a chance to win it. Who, what are your seven? Uh, I think it's six. I'm not sure. Let me count them. Let me see. All right, let's do it. We got the, the the Clippers. Yep. No, no particular order. No particular order. Clippers, the Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, Philadelphia 76ers, and I would say the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I would say those are my favorites right now to win it. Well, actually, what's interesting is two of the teams you left off. So um, you, you're leaving what, off the Houston? Rockets. And you left off the Celtics. So let me let me be the negative media guy, Trevor, and let me start there. Like, why did you leave the Rockets off? Okay, let's first start with the Rockets. You're bringing in Russ, which I think, you know, it could go either way. I think, you know, he could help them or hurt them. It's just, you know, you just don't know how it's going to, you know, affect James Harden yet. Uh, Russ is a great player, but at the same time, Russ and James Harden, they're both ball dominant. So I'm not sure, you know, how that will work. It's, it's um, We haven't seen it yet. So I, I can't, you know, go out on a limb and say that they're a contender yet. If they can make it work, of course. But with both of them being ball dominant, I'm not sure how it will work. So we'll see, you know, how Mike D'Antoni plays that. Um, and the Boston Celtics, I would say, uh, they don't have enough experience with the bigs. That's the only thing that's holding them back. I know they got Ennis Cantor, which was uh, a, a good, you know, a good piece, but I think they're still missing um, a big, another big that could really help them out. Let's go back to Houston for a second. So Russ wants to play fast, right? If Russ plays in the first six, seven, eight seconds of the shot clock, he's great. When Russ has to play in the second, the sixteen seconds of the shot clock, he's not great. His numbers are terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Harden actually wants to do the opposite. For all the Mike D'Antoni seven seconds or less, they've become one of the slowest paced teams in the league. Can Russ just play right. fast and Harden just play slow, and that's how they do it, or? Does does Westbrook's yeah. presence somehow shrink the floor and make it hard for Harden to play slow? That's something that I, I mentioned on uh, the Hoops Hype, uh, Hoops Hype uh, podcast with Alex Kennedy. I was telling him the only way that I could see it working out well is, you know, with Houston being a three-point shooting team, you know, Russ is a great rebounder. So, you know, when he gets the rebound, he can push it, you know, just push it like he regularly does and see if he can make something happen early in the shot clock. Uh, you know, take it to the basket, shoot his pull-up jumper if he has it, or dish it out for a wide-open three because he's putting re- uh, pressure on the rim. Um, but if he doesn't have anything, you know, bring it back out, and, and then it's the James Harden show. So um, that's something that I, I would look at, but I'm not sure what they have in mind. That's only going to be okay if it's not the if it's the James Harden show enough times, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely so. So I think it'll definitely be interesting. It it is interesting. It I, I look at um, 
The one other thing, I actually have warmed up to it. Like, Russ is crazily inefficient and, and quite frankly, was not good last year. Like, I, I got the triple-double and all that, but, like, he had a tremendous negative impact on the Rockets, off, excuse me, on the Thunder offensively last year. It's, it's, it's really almost undeniable. And as we talked about, as the shot clock went on, from eight, from 15 to 18, he shot 39%. From 7 to 5 on the shot, 15 on the shot clock, he shot 41. In, from f- under 7 seconds on the shot clock, he shot 31% last year. So, I mean, you've got to yeah. keep him out of those moments. But the one thing I kind of am floating around on, Trevor, is so they run a high pick and roll with him and Capella with Harden, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker. How am I guarding that? Because that pick and roll used to be Steven Adams, and it used to have Andre Robertson, Terrence Ferguson, and Jeremy Grant. And I don't actually care if any of those guys shoot, but I don't want B.J. Tucker, right. Eric Gordon, and James Harden shooting. So is there a chance that actually Dan Tony's going to open up this world for Harden or for Westbrook, and he's going to be a wildly different player than he was in Oklahoma City? Uh, I honestly think so. Um, you made a good point. You know, his numbers were – you know, pretty low last year, but, you know, if you look at the, the team that was around him, he didn't really have shooters like Houston has. So I think, you know, the shooters uh, were really open things up for Russ, and you see his numbers and his, his percentages go up. Um, if I had to pick my poison, I really don't know who I would pick, you know, to come off of. I, I would probably, um, if I was, you know, the, the opposition on defense, if, if if it's Capella and Russ playing the pick and roll, I would look at trapping Russ and making him dump it off to Capella and making Capella make the reads and make the plays. Uh, so, I, but it it would definitely be interesting to see what the opposition does. The if Russ goes on a pick and roll, can you go under, or is he so fast that he he gets there before you and you can't actually? It doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, you're going under. You're not going over on Westbrook. You're perfectly fine if he shoots the shot. But the concept is you still got to get there if you get under, or is he just so quick it doesn't matter? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it really – I think you could you could go under. You're just going to have to take an angle. Um, you're going to have to t- take the right angle to cut him off and really force him to shoot a jump shot uh, because he's going to be looking to get to the to the rim. But it's all about, you know, taking that right angle. The one that the other one on this one is Donovan Mitchell used to come off the Rudy Gobert pick and roll with Ricky Rubio, Jay Crowder, or Derek Favors on the floor. Now that is going to be Mike Conley and Bojan Bogdanovic, Bojan Bogdanovic who are all 40% three-point shooters. How does Donovan Mitchell's world change? Man, um, I mean, it's scary for the NBA. You know, I've been watching some of his workouts, you know, and if he really, you know, commits the summer to working, you know, on that standstill jump shot, the catch-and-shoot jump shot, that's, that's, that's very dangerous for the NBA and for other teams. <laughs> um, you know, if you look at the roster, it's, it's a scary team, especially, you know, with Rudy down there uh, guarding, you know, defending everything, and him putting pressure on the rim. When he rolls, um, you know, I, when they made the moves that they did this summer, you know, I was talking to my friends, and I, I told them, you know, Utah's a, a scary team, and I could really see them winning it all next year. And they would laugh at me and, and tell me that I'm I'm crazy. And that's something that really made me mad because I, I guess because they don't really know the NBA like I do, but just for them to 
give me their opinion and laugh at me <laughs> when I when I feel like when I feel like I'm a genius. It really, you know, it really <laughs> got under my skin. It really got under my skin, and I'm, I'm really hoping, you know, that the Utah really makes some noise next year so I can rub it in their face. My, my favorite part of that was because I'm a genius. I just got to clarify that <laughs> that I heard that. I want to make sure you know I heard that. Um, you you played for Quinn, I believe. I'm tr- he's been around long enough now yep. that you played, I think, two years with Quinn. Um, yep. How unique a head coach is Quinn Snyder offensively for what he's going to have here? He's very unique. Uh, I think the reason why he's very unique, is the, the main th- reason why he's very unique is because he's super detailed. Um, and, you know, details turn into bigger things. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know. But if you take care of the details, that, that gets you that extra possession, the extra point uh, that you need. It, it really goes a long way. And that's something that, you know, Quinn is about, you know, the, the small details. And that's something, you know, that really made his players better when I was there. So, you know, and I'm sure he's, he's grown as a head coach uh, since I've been gone. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's added even more details and, and, you know, mix Quinn with that, that group of guys that, that he has, you know, coming in next year, um, you know, that's a, that's a real good team. So to, to back up your point of you being a genius, Trevor, um, there's two interesting notes to me about the Jazz, that, or actually, I guess, three. One that nobody's talked about but you just alluded to, Rudy Gobert shot 71% last year when Derek Favors was off the floor. Mm. So when Rudy's rolling the floor. and the floor is spread, he shots like there. Rudy could average twenty points a game this year. He averaged sixteen he last did. year. It's not a crazy concept that he suddenly is getting on top of the rim at a rate where he scores twenty points a game. Right, right. I think you'll see Rudy get fouled a lot more this year and catch a lot more lobs at the same time. Now here's the question that really is whether you're a genius or not, Trevor. They have a stat now where they look at shot quality. It's called quantified shot quality. And it tells you if every player in the league shot average at the shots, which team would shoot the best. The Jazz got the best looks of any team in the league last year. If if every team had been average, the Jazz would have had the best shooting percentage in the league. But their players were well below average, so they didn't. And the question is, Mm -hmm. and and no, uh, please, Ricky Rubio and the rest of you that I'm about to comment on this, I do like (laughs) you. I'm just going to, this is going to sound cruel, but it's true. What were the shots that good of shots? Because they left Ricky Rubio, they left Derek Favors, and they left Jay Crowder wide open. Or were they because the Jazz offense creates open looks? And that is the question that's going to dictate. If it's because the Jazz creates open looks, now those open looks are going to 40% three-point shooters. Right, right. I think it was a little bit of both. You know, the Jazz, they have a great offense, and everybody shares the ball. And, you know, some teams, if they want to switch, you know, they read uh, the Jazz, you know, they read the screens. So they instead of going north to south, they go east to west and things like that. So they, they create their own shots. Um, but at the same time, you know, teams, you know, they, they would pick their poison. Um, if they had to choose between, you know, Cal Corbin and Ricky Rubio, of course they're going to leave Rubio open. You know, just watching the games last year, it, it was multiple times where, you know, they dared Rubio to take a shot. Or, or you would see Derek Favors in the corner, you know, shooting a corner three, and the team was okay with that. Um, so I think it was a little bit of both, but more uh, they were leaving guys open. 
uh, you know, that goes to the great Jerry Sloan line where Jerry Sloan said, son, there's a re- you know, there's a reason you're so open. Uh, I won't say what player he said it to. That wouldn't be nice. All right. uh, Now we'll get back to those. uh, We'll continue with Trevor Booker and get back to those five other teams that don't make him look nearly as much of a genius. Very intrigued by what he thinks of Philadelphia. And we'll talk about the big dogs in the West as well as we continue with our NBA analyst, Trevor Booker, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Philadelphia's roster is wild, Trevor. It's got to be the largest starting five in the history of the league. Uh, what's your thoughts on how this works with Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and every other long-arm monster, Al Horford? And how, what's your thought on how this is all going to work in Philadelphia? Um, honestly, I see them coming out of the East over Milwaukee. Um. I say that because they they don't have Jimmy Butler, which I think was a great move for him to leave. Um, but I think they got better without him because, you know, they have Joel and they they got Josh Richardson, which was a huge pick, uh, pickup. They re-signed Tobias Harris. I um, and I don't think it was enough, you know, enough balls to go around last year, you know, with Jimmy Butler on the team. Especially with Joel down low, you know they they try to feed him. And he takes you know a good amount of the shots. Um, but Josh Richardson, you know he can come in. He's a great defender. He can uh, shoot the three ball, and he can put it on the floor some. Tobias Harris is an all around player. Um, so I actually you know really think they got better you know this summer and picked up Al Horford. You can sit down. You can sit Joel Embiid because you know he's not going to be able to play. Uh, 82 games. So bring in Al Horford. It played a center position um, when Joel is not playing, uh, which is huge. It, it gives Joel that rest, and but you won't miss a beat with Al because you know he's an all-star and you know he knows the game. Um, so you, you're not going to miss a beat. So that team, uh, I would say, they definitely got better. Al Horford's really the player that those guys who like and know basketball understand, isn't he? Right. Definitely. Definitely. So. Um, who the national media's comment about Philadelphia is? Well, who scores when they need a bucket? Do you think that's a legitimate concern? Um, no, because you got a big fella down low. You just give the ball to him, be and let everybody else, you know, just move and do what they do. But if you need a bucket, you're definitely going to Joel and B. You know, Joel. I, th- I think from your time in Philadelphia, I- I'm still confused, honestly. Like. Like, I see the crying on the court after the Raptors and see that passion, and I see a body that, to me, doesn't look like someone was completely dedicated to be in as good a shape as he could have been, and I see the cell phone with Amir Johnson. Like, I'm confused. Is it a lack of maturity yet? Is it a lack of understanding? What's your – am I unfair? What's your thought on where he is in his progression? Um, I mean, first of all, he's he's a great guy. Um, he loves to have fun. That's Joe. Um, can he grow up a little bit? Sure. You know, a lot of players can. Um, but he, he loves to have fun. So, but at the same time, he's the, the ultimate competitor. You know, you, you see him on the court. He's going to give it all, all that he can. Um, and he's a, he's a big guy. So he, he's going to have to, you know, do a better job of taking care of his body, of course. Um, but, and, and I think he, he realizes that. But at the same time, you know, he, he, he works 
and but his body needs rest, more rest than others. Um, and I think it, it, it shows sometimes, but I think he's working on that end. You know, it's a good point. Shaq always got criticized for not being in the best of shape, and yet if you go look at guys that weigh over 280 pounds, Shaq may have played the highest percentage of available games of anyone. When you weigh as much as those guys do, you can't be pounding your body 12 months a year. We've seen Eddie Curry and Yao Ming and Nikola Pekovic, and all of them have broken down uh, physically from weighing that much in a league that has this many possessions. So it's a good point that while he does need to work on his body, there's also a great value for his body to be fresh because he goes and works too hard and he's going to have a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. And I, I don't think a, I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, but it, it really takes a toll on your body being that big. The Los Angeles Lakers are Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and somebody else. I don't know. Is Rajon Rondo starting? Is LeBron playing point guard? Is Kyle Coote? Who knows? What do you like about this team? What are you at all concerned about with that Laker team? Um, I think if you look at the starting five, uh, minus that one piece that you talked about, which we don't know who's starting, uh, great starting five. But after that, you know, um, it, it, it's a lot of question marks. I don't, I don't know if they're, you know, deep enough to make the run that they want. Um, they're they're going to have to rely on LeBron and, and Anthony Davis a good bit. I think more than they more than they think. Uh, I I know that they're hoping, you know, that they blow teams out and, and they can get their rest, you know, early in the game. Um, but I, I think, you know. I don't think teams, the, the NBA is going to be so good next year that they're going to have to play more minutes than they originally expected, I think. And, and that's going to take a toll on your body going into the playoffs. And once the playoffs starts, you know, uh, it's going to be some very good teams in the playoffs. So you're going to have to play big minutes, you know, every single playoff game. Um, and I don't know if they're deep enough, you know, to make the run that they want. How good will they be defensively? Um, I think they'll be a pretty good defensive team. You know, LeBron, he's a good defender. Of course, Anthony Davis and Danny Green. I think the question mark is, you know, the other piece that they're going to put in at the two spot or the one spot and the Marcus Cousins. Because I don't know, you know, just watching the Marcus last year with Golden State, Golden State liked to switch. And when the Marcus was on the floor and they switched, you know, teams would go after that and attack him. So I'm not sure what the defense is going to be like with DeMarcus. Maybe they'll switch one through four and, you know, have DeMarcus, you know, sit back in the lane when it, when he's in the pick and roll or up or however they want to play it. But I think it'll be interesting to see. All right. We immediately say they're going to be good defensively because of Anthony Davis, right? That's really the core of what we're saying. Uh, give me your thought on this. New Orleans Pelicans with Anthony Davis in the 13-14 season, they ranked 27th in the league defensively. The next year, they ranked 22nd in the league defensively. The next year, they ranked 27th in the league defensively. Then they ranked 9th. Then they ranked 14th. And last year doesn't count because he whatever uh-huh. was going on. Why? So he's had one year of his entire career where the best shot-blocking, this big guy, one of the best shot-blocking, sorry, Rudy, uh, had a top-ten defense. Like, maybe he's, like, is he really actually that good defensively? I would think if he's that good defensively, he should have had some top-ten defensive teams. 
Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I'm not sure why, because, you know, if you look at it, Drew Holiday, he's a great uh, defensive point guard at the same time. So I'm not sure if it's the other pieces around him or, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's him because I think he's a, a great defender, especially uh, shot blocking. Uh, but maybe he's just a better one-on-one defender and teams don't go after him on the offensive end. So I'm really not sure. Okay, just a thought. I mean, I just think it's like I, you're trying to look at these teams and figure out the defense to me is going to be interesting, and particularly if DeMarcus can't move better than he did at the end of last year. Is there any right. – Is there the do the Clippers look to you as – like a 60-win team and the rest of the Western Conference is at like 52? Or do you think the Clippers are like the best in the West, but they're 54 and everybody else is 52? Um, I think more of the, the Clippers are a 54-win team and everybody else is a 52-team win. I mean, a winning team. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really close in the West. Do the, is there, I mean, that, you're talking about early Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all on the floor at the same time. Like I don't know, like if you're a wing yeah, player, right? Mo Harkless, you're a wing player. Like just duck and go home. Like I, I, right. want, I want play Jermichael Green at the five and switch one through five. I'm I'm out. Like I, I'm I'm done. Montrez Harrell coming out the bench. Right. He's one of the best shot blockers in the league last year. Right. I mean, it's it is just. I, I'm having a hard time not going with it. That might be a. It's interesting to me, also, and I could. I I might be dead wrong. As the one piece to me that actually doesn't fit any more is the like incredible Lou Williams. <laughs> yeah, Lou Williams. He will always always fit. You know, with any team, just come off the bench and get a bucket. Um, that's what they need. That's what they're going to need from him off the bench. Um, defensively, you know, I think he's going to have teammates. That are going to help him out. Um, but as long as he can get those buckets, I think everything else will be okay. Because I'm hunting him, right? Like when my other choices are Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Mo Harkless, or Paul George, and I'm a wing player, like Lou Williams, come here. We need to play pick and roll. Come here. I, I need you. Definitely so. <laughs> we're hunting you. You're going to be the guy we're hunting every single play. All right, we covered the Nuggets, we covered the Lakers, we covered the Jazz, we covered the Sixers. We let the Bucks just exist as they are. You think Giannis is actually really only at sixty percent, like he says? Um, no, I don't think sixty percent. I say more like seventy-five percent. But you know, it, it's scary just to see that he has so much growth. And I think this year you'll see that he's going to be shooting the ball at a higher clip, at a higher percentage, especially the three ball. Um, if you look at him, if you look at him, how he played last year, he shot the ball with confidence. You know, it, it might, it probably didn't go in as much as he wanted, but he shot it with confidence, and he actually looked really good. And I was saying the whole season, I'm like, that's scary because he's he's shooting it with confidence, and you know, you you have to shoot it in the game to get better at it. You know, you can shoot it in practice all you want, but the the ultimate key is you know shooting it in the game. And he shot the ball in the game. And I, I think you know this upcoming season, you'll see him shoot at least uh, at least thirty three percent from three. Trevor Booker, always a pleasure, my man. Keep working out. I know you're working with some of the kids as well, doing great things. Uh, appreciate your time here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and uh, we look forward to hearing more of your thoughts as we actually get to see these guys play here soon enough. And. Uh, find it, find out where everyone's playing on Christmas and the regular season and what the marquee games are. It'll be fun to see as, as we finally get rolling here in a few months. Thanks a lot, my man.
All right. Thanks for having me.